on his text from last week. So if you remember last week, we were at the beginning of chapter 2 of Philippians uh, 1 through 4. So this week he'll pick up in verse 5 through 11. Um, so I'll read the scripture uh, text here in a second. If you're following along um, in a pew Bible, it's on page 980. 980. But uh, Philippians chapter 2, we'll read verses, well, I'll read verses 5 through 11. And thank you, Pastor, uh, for serving our church uh, these two weeks. Um, we appreciate it. All right, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality God with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, sit under uh, your eternal word this morning, uh, may our hearts fall into uh, submission, uh, not by force, Lord, but by uh, your grace enabling us to uh, love and see Christ here um, through the words of Pastor Vaughn. Father, we um, have so much to learn um, from your scriptures where we have um, so much to um, embrace about who you are. And Father, today, as, as Pastor Vaughn um, elevates another part of your word to us, another part of Christ, uh, may we love you more deeply. Uh, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Um, thank you for welcoming me back. You know, when, when you, uh, as a guest preacher, especially when you have multiple weeks, it's, it's always good not to get a call during the week and say, oh, we found somebody else. To... <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to come back. It, that's, that's, I appreciate it. But I'm happy to be with you all here this week. And uh, uh, last week was a blessing for us just to, to be here um, with you all. Uh, you all are just so loving and, and welcoming. And thank you for welcoming us in, into your home here. And we're just happy to be here. Uh, thankful for Pastor Brian as well, and hope, hopefully he's having a, a good time with his family away. Um, uh, my name is, is Pastor Vaughn Sanders. I'm the lead teaching pastor at First Baptist Church in Bolingbrook, Illinois. You know, Pastor Brian and I have known each other for a little while. We get together on occasion, and um, you just kind of learn from each other, you know. It's, it's good. This can be a lonely job sometimes as, as a pastor. And so it's really good to have brothers like uh, Pastor Brian that, that cares about God and his church and his people and to get together and to uh, be praying for other churches and other, other uh, congregations and things of that nature. So we are tremendously blessed. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about the humility of Christ. Last week, we talked about our humility and tonight, this morning, we're going to talk about the humility that we see in Christ. As we follow him, we ought to have the same attitude that Jesus did. You know, the, the overused term that we had back in the day when I was growing up was, what would Jesus do? 
And as played out as that is, we still need to think about those contexts. What would Jesus do in various situations when I'm about to respond to somebody that is rubbing me the wrong way? It helps for me to say, would Jesus respond in the way you're about to? If somebody does something to me or says something about me or doesn't do something that I expect for them to do, when I'm about to respond or say something to them, I have to think, I'm saved by the blood of Christ. And what I'm about to say is a testimony to who Christ is. So let's, let's take a minute. Amen? Uh, maybe it's just me. I've only, you know, been in that, those situations before where I get a little hot under the collar, where I you know, almost forget uh, who I belong to. But grace be to God that he continues to um, have order in my, with my tongue and my attitude. Paul stresses here in Philippians the importance of imitation here in the book of Philippians. And I like to tell just brief stories um, for, for folks to get to know me. And as I was going through this, I thought back to my childhood. And one of my uh, idols when I was growing up was Mr. T. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, it was somebody that was is famous. He, you know, he looked like me. He had a cool mohawk gold chains. I mean, who doesn't want gold chains? <laughs> he was this big, tough guy on television show, The A-Team, um, and I'm dating myself, so guys that are, are younger than I may not know who Mr. T is. There was a, a remake of, of this that came out. But, you know, when you think of Rocky Three, I mean, Clubber Lane, come on. I mean, that, that, was, that was pretty cool to me. And I walked around pitying the fools all the time. I mean, don't get in my way. It's pity the fool. But he was somebody that, that I looked up to. He was a strong Christian man who was popular at the time. He had his own cereal. He had his own <laughs> cartoon. He loved his mama. And I, he was somebody that I could look up to, somebody that I felt like I wanted to imitate. Now, as I'm telling the story, I'm sure you are all thinking about somebody in your life that you've looked up to, that you've seen maybe there's somebody in your family, maybe it's somebody on a television show or some other celebrity that you have looked up to or idolized or wanted to emulate. As Christians, what we need to remember is that Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate model for us. He is the uh, example. He's par excellence. He's the one that we ought to model our lives to and for. There's no one that is, is perfect aside from Jesus Christ himself. So when we look, at, and it's good to look up to people and like, man, I, I want to aspire to do those things. But when it comes to brass tacks as Christians, our model is Jesus. And Paul Lentz, uh, uh, says here, and he talks a lot about how we ought to emulate him as we emulate Christ. Christ is our supreme example when it comes to humility, when it comes to love, when it comes to selflessness. Christ is our example. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, all believers should share this humble, selfless mindset of Christ. And this morning we'll dive into what that looks like. Won't you, won't you pray for me? 
Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and opportunity that we have come here this morning to dive into your word. And firstly, I want to thank you for your, the preservation of your word, for uh, giving it to us so that we can not only learn more about you, but learn more about your people and, and how we can see ourselves in the story as we are used by you as instruments to, to build the kingdom of Christ. Help us to see and, and look at ourselves where we need to uh, have this message resonate, where we can stand to have more humility in our own lives, where uh, we can look at your example and seek to follow you to the best of our ability. But even when we don't, Father, I thank you for continuing to shape us and mold us every moment of every day in this, this time of sanctification, Lord, how you make us better, how you're perfecting us time over time as we look to uh, worship you. Father, hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength and my redeemer, whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. So Philippians chapter 2, we're picking up here in verse 5, where it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by the taking of the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is about the extent of the humility that Jesus shows to us. Paul tells us that Jesus was both pre-existent and he, had a, a, he was divine in nature. If we go back to John, the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. There was never a time that Jesus did not exist. He had no point of origin. Jesus was not created, but he was the creator. He is Alpha. He is Omega. John goes on to say in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he says, He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not, uh, was not anything made that has been made. It's important for us to get that and understand, because this, this topic is hotly debated even today. Amazingly, even throughout church history, it has been debated. For example, the famous Council of Nicaea that took place in 325 AD, in which Arius was one of the bishops that were in attendance at this council. Uh, But he believed that Jesus was the first and greatest created being. Now, this talk was going around town, that this heresy, so to speak, was going around. And so they called this Council of Nicaea to get the people together, like, let's hash this out. Let's go to Scripture and see what Scripture has to say about this. And Arius, he argued that, uh, well, Jesus, he was a great man, but he was created. But he was the greatest in all creation. On the other hand, we had Athanasius, who was known as the black dwarf due to his uh, Ethiopian dark skin and his small stature. He defended the biblical position that Jesus is fully God and being of the same essence as the Father. For Athanasius, 
This was not merely splitting hairs. It, it mattered, not just to him, but it mattered to the church that we understand this. He rightly understood that uh, only someone who was fully human could atone for human sin, and only one that was fully divine could have power to save us. And he wanted that message to be known. He wanted to set the record straight that we can't afford to go off what the Bible strictly tells us. Athanasius is quoted as saying, those who, remain, who, those who maintain there was a time when the son was not robbed God of his word like plunders. He's saying that those who say that, that Jesus was created, you're, you're uh, uh, definitely taking God's word out of context. And you're changing it is what it is what God said to this people. There are many cults that are becoming more prominent today, such as the Hebrew Israelites and, and others who, who have gone back to this message to say, and they claim that Jesus was invented at the Council of Nicaea in 325. These people, including you look on YouTube, there's a prevalence of these, these so-called ex-pastors. They say, well, I used to be a pastor, but now I'm no longer because the church is full of lies. But what they show in, in the video after video and, and all these things that they're putting out is they don't know the fundamentals of church history. To know that they, they were talking about Jesus way before 325, and this is what's important. And not, not only was Jesus not invented in 325, but what was up for discussion was the fact that Jesus is God. They needed to set the record straight to make sure everybody understood what the good news is and why it matters. There are many thoughts and opinions about Jesus. Some people say he was a, a good person, he was a good prophet, or maybe just a good example. Or you let others tell it and say, well, he's just a figment of somebody's imagination. This Jesus story has been told time over time and in various ways, given different names. But the reality is, and most scholars would attest, archaeology has shown that there was a historical Jesus that is not up for debate. So then we have to look at what Scripture says and understand that Jesus said he was God. Now, either he was a liar or he was God. Either he was, was misunderstood or he was God. So some people might say, you know, why does, why does all this matter? What's the big deal? Don't all religions say the same thing? Don't, uh, whether you're, you're Buddhist or Muslim, does it matter? It's all the same God, right? No. No, this is the, the heresy that, that sneaks in and has since the beginning of time. This is why it's important to have biblical literacy, to understand what it is that the Bible says. So when somebody comes and twists Scripture, then you're able to identify it. We can't serve the same God because the Muslims don't believe that Jesus was God. Buddhists, the Buddhists do not believe that Jesus is God, or they, they believe that Jesus was one of many. 
But Jesus himself that said, I am the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus himself said that's the only other way. There's no other way. So Jesus didn't come on the scene when he was born in Bethlehem. This is not the first time, but as God, he always existed. That was when he came to the earth and took on human form. As Jesus of Nazareth being the, made of human likeness, but he remained free from sin. This is important. Jesus came to this world. He lived, he walked the, the, the land that we, we can put our own feet on. He interacted with people just like us. He, he sat and ate and, and drank with people just like us. He had feelings and emotions just like us. And while he was tempted, he never sinned. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This is the, the amazing thing about Jesus. He knows what I feel like when I'm tempted. When I'm tempted to do something or, or go against his word or, or not following obedience, he knows what that like. He knows how hard it is. And he sympathizes with that. Some people say, oh, I did, I've done too much. I, I can't be forgiven for the things that I did. There's no way a, a God would understand because they, they, they get that God is perfect, which is good. But what they don't get is the sympathy that Jesus has for us. That should encourage us to know that we can go to Jesus in our prayers and say, I just can't, it's carrying this burden. Help me. In paintings, we, we often see Christ as a child where he's got this perpetual halo. But in reality, this his earthly life looked just like he looked like any other ordinary dude, and we would pass him on the street and wouldn't think anything of it. He looked just like the common folks of the time. Here's uh, Isaiah's prophecy of the description of Christ that we see in Isaiah 53. He says, "For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty." That he should, that she, we should look like, look at him, and, and no beauty that we should desire him. You know, this he was no Brad Pitt, <laughs> or put in your your favorite best-looking man of the year. He was just an ordinary-looking dude, doing ordinary things, and that's how he's able to understand and sympathize with who we are. And, and what we're going through. Verse 8. It says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. When we think about humility, you, you look at yourself in your own life, and you know there's some things that I, I, I don't like to do. There's some things that I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing or like, can't you find somebody else to do that? 
Why do I have to? But when you think about it in perspective, you think about God humbling himself and putting on a, a, a body and, and flesh, suffering uh, some, he knows the pain of having a, a paper cut. He knows the, the anguish and we see him crying for his brothers and sisters, praying for them. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. You talk about a humbling experience. He comes down from his throne in heaven to walk among just common people. Even today, the, you know, the, the presidents and people of the state and, and royalty and things, they, they don't hang out with regular folks. You can't get to them. You can't whisper. You can't barely shake their hands because they got people around them. You can't even get close. But Jesus humbled himself to be among his people. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So he didn't just become poor for his own sake. He came, became poor so that you can be rich. He came to be a ransom for you. He came to pay the price for you. This week I read an article about a man named Michael at Atkins, whose first job out of school was that of a janitor uh, in a school in Denver. You know, so he's working at multiple schools as a janitor, and he comes to find out that at one of the schools, uh, the principal had been his second grade teacher. So they get to know each other, and um, at the time he's going through school, and he, he found a calling to, to teach, and because he cared for for children, and so she helped them get a job as a teaching assistant. And so he continues to work on his degree, and now he is the principal of a school in the neighborhood where he grew up in Denver. But he says he likes to come in every once in a while during the summer and scrub the floors. It's because he wants to remind himself where it is that he came from. It gives him a, an opportunity to be grounded and to understand uh, what's at stake about the children that are they're coming in, that are learning at this institution and how he cares so much about his job. He cared when he was a janitor and he cared when he's the principal so that the kids can have the best that they could and the best learning environment that they could. As we look at the example of Jesus, we have to ask our, ourselves that question. What is it that we are willing to do? If you look at Jesus, even though he was equal to God the Father, he 
submitted to his father's will. And we see this poured out in John chapter 5, verse 30. It says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, but because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He had a laser focus, even though there was equality, he still submitted. We have a little trouble with that word submission these days and what that looks like. It is not a lording over, it's not a taking control, it's not a my way or the highway. It's a sacrificial love that takes place from both sides the loving one another and taking care of and, and having the best interests in mind and at heart. So when we look at Jesus and we look at him becoming a man, that, that's, that's humbling enough. Him uh, being God and becoming a man, that's humbling in itself. But, but becoming a servant was even more humbling. You know, he could have walked around town. He's like, hey, hey, I'm God. Hey, take care of this stuff for me. Well, hey, why don't you, you guys go ahead and chill out. Just make, make a way for me. Where's, where's my seat? In the front. But that's not what he did. He humbled himself to the extent of being willing to die like a common criminal. This blows my mind. I mean, even after reading scriptures uh, year over year over year, this still blows my mind that he suffered this death as a common criminal. This crucifixion was the most degrading type of execution that could be inflicted on a person. And the Roman soldiers, they were good at it. They were trained to inflict pain. And they were very good at what they did. This form of capital punishment was done to make people pay for heinous crimes. But Christ's death is unique. He didn't die for anything that he had done. He was, sinless. he was sinless with no penalty to pay. He died for you. He died for you. He gave up his life for you. He died to pay the penalty of the sins of the world. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. He did that for you. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd has laid his life down for his sheep. We see this in John chapter 10, verse 14 through 15. I am the good shepherd. I, uh, I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This ought to be humbling for us to know the lengths that Jesus went through, I don't know about you guys, but I don't deserve that. 
I'm hard-pressed to say that I was worth it. But he did it anyway. He knew I wasn't worth it, and that's the point. He did it because he's worth it. And that is what's great. Verse 9 in Philippians chapter 2, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. This is where it gets good. This, this, is, this is where we get to the meat of the, the good news. Uh, through the miracle of resurrection from the dead, God gave new honor to the obedient, humble son. The Lord Jesus takes his rightful place of honor and glory and is seated at the right hand of the Father. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise God for that. Then verse 10. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That makes me just want to jump up and clap. I, I get a little charismatic here just, just because being full of this and understanding what this means for us. I don't know where you are today, but I hope and pray that your aim is to get to know Jesus Christ. Your aim is to, 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 to be in communion with the Heavenly Father. That, that you would humble yourself and you submit your life to him. I pray that that is the case. Because brothers and sisters, this is where the rubber meets the road. There will come a time when every creature in the universe will acknowledge Jesus as Lord. But understand this. It doesn't mean that they will all submit to him as Savior. The, the demonic powers and people who oppose Christ will bow down before him. Isaiah 45, 23 through 24 says, By myself I have sworn... From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in the Lord it is, shall be said of me. Our righteousness to strength, to him shall come and be ashamed who are incensed against him. My question to you is, where is your allegiance? When this moment comes, those adversaries of Christ will realize that they done messed up. They will realize they spent a, a lifetime going in the wrong direction, arguing for the wrong things, loving the wrong people, the loving the, the wrong stuff, creating idols for themselves in this life who want to argue against Jesus Christ, want to argue against Christianity. 
But when Jesus returns, they'll know the error of their ways. And they will acknowledge it at the time and, and it won't be good. There's no second chances. Say, well, I, I need to make up my mind. I need to figure this out. I need to do more research. I need to do more study. And, and maybe one day I'll come around. One day might not come. And it will be too late. Now is the day. Now is the time for you to choose who you will serve, for you to humble yourself as we see in the example of Christ, the ultimate humility. If you don't know the Lord, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I urge you to make that choice here today, right now. I've not been able to spend a lot of time with you all, but I, I feel like you all are, are just loving and, and welcoming. And, and so if you're here today and, and you have questions about who Jesus is and what, what, what your life looks like by following him, I, I know there's loving people here that, that will help you with that. I'll be um, outside if you have questions. Uh, for me, I'd be happy to, to answer them, though, but uh, I urge you to ask those questions. I urge you, the scripture said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste him, and he is good all the time. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, And just as it was pointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Now, I'm not trying to scare you into... Um, doing something or to strong arm you or do anything like that, but this is reality. My daughter is, is here with us today, and, you know, as she's growing up, I'm sure you guys have experienced this with uh, children, nephews, nieces, and things of that nature, grandchildren. When they're, when they're doing something that's going to harm them, when they're putting themselves at risk, you tell them. Say, if you touch that stove, you'll burn your hand. You know, say, well, I don't, I don't, you know, it's their choice whether they want to touch the stove or not. I don't, I don't really want to get in the way of whatever their choice is. This is my truth. That's their truth. And maybe they're okay with burning their, their, the skin off their hands. That is not how we live our lives. And that's not how uh, we, we, we think of the people that we care and love. We let them know that there is danger ahead. We let them know that they are putting their lives at risk. And that there is a good and perfect way that God has created for us. We are negligent if we don't share the good news. The good news that while being uh, fully God and also fully man, Jesus came and, and lived and walked among us on this earth. 
that was tempted in every way, yet did not sin. And he could have handled this any way that he wanted to. He could have reconciled us back to the Father any way he wanted to, by the snap of the finger or a blink of an eye or whatever he wanted to do. But what he chose to do was to give up his life for us. What he chose to do is to pay the penalty for us on our behalf. I don't know about you, but I got bills. And, and, and nobody's going to come and pay my cable bill for me. But if you think about that, the, the wages of sin is death. And so we're accumulating this debt that is growing and growing and growing. And here comes Jesus. says, I've taken care of it. They're mine. I'm theirs. And even when we're going nuts, we're going crazy, doing things we ought not do, Jesus says, they're mine. And he's praying for us, even when we don't know any better. And he's there with us, shaping us and molding us because of the death on a cross and, and he resurrected and now it sits at the right hand of the Father. Because of that, now we can pursue God's design again. Now we're reconciled back to God. And what we get is God and we get an eternity with him. That's what I want for each of you. The alternative is not recommend it. The fire and gnashing of teeth and the eternal separation from God. Eternity is a long time. My prayer is that you would connect with somebody today. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that you would in investigate that and submit your life to him. And even if you do, especially if you do, the gospel is for you as well. Everything that I just said is still true and I have to preach the gospel to myself every day because I'm able to do the things that I'm able to do because Christ did what he did. Even walking with Christ, we need the gospel. We need to understand and communicate the gospel and repeat it to ourselves over and over again to know that we've been saved by grace and that it was not of our own doing. So I urge you to, to get with someone, even if you've already submitted to your, your life to Christ, that um, even in the groups that you have here, uh, the friendships, you have somebody over that you can confide in that help to walk that path along with you together as iron sharpens iron. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for showing us a, a clear example of what humility is. It's easy to get wrapped up in this life and um, have a comfortable living and, and what it is that we do and have and what we rely on, but um, sometimes we need to be regrounded. We need to look back and understand and see where it is that you brought us from. We need to look back and see all the miracles that you've played out in our lives. 
even from the, the foundation of the world and you having known us, Father, we thank you for that. And despite of ourselves, you died for us on the cross. Father, help us to always have that top of mind. Help us to realize how we can be better servants, full of humility, for the goodness of others and the kingdom of God. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.